Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. the ultimate kibosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL episode of the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. And joining me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can follow them in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker and Chris Raybon. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Gentlemen, our projections are done. We've created rankings. Uh, we are working on our customizable fantasy football cheat sheet, which will be available for Action Network subscribers on July 1st. It is the off season, but it is a very busy time of year. Uh, I just spent the last week in Texas remembering where I came from, immersing myself in my roots. So uh, how y'all doing? Doing pretty good, pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there, uh, going to Europe in a couple of weeks, so I'm excited for that and uh, just trying to grind while I'm still here because I know once I get back, it's going to be like late July and it's going to be time to just go all in for the next like six months and not really come out of the cave. Yeah, exactly. And Freeman, you said our projections are done. I would say just our initial projections are created and we're going to be editing them diligently for the next couple of months. You are such a killjoy, but uh, <laughs> correct, correct as always. All right, so it's good to be back on the pod with you. Last week, we previewed our NFC player projections, uh, and Raven and I bet on a multitude of player props created by Corner, a.k.a. the odds maker. We're doing the same thing today for the AFC, and the next week, we'll kick off our epic position-by-position position podcast breakdowns, and for those, we'll be joined by a bounty of top-tier guests, so be sure to check out those future episodes. Sean, let's get going. What do you have for us? All right, so you guys were so sharp last week. I had to take this super seriously. I, I am really confident in the lines I have today. And uh, we're going to start in the AFC East with the Patriots. I think this guy is probably the widest range of outcomes and probably the most difficult to project right now. Uh, but it's Nikhil Harry. Uh, uh, receiving yards, I have set for him at over under 580 and a half. I will take the over 
And uh, primarily it's because uh, of the, well, two things. One, we don't know what's happening with Josh Gordon, but I'm assuming he's going to miss a lot of games uh, if he even plays at all. Uh, And then also um, we have the targets that have been vacated by Rob Gronkowski. And uh, even though, uh, the Patriots haven't had success at wide receiver uh, in terms of drafting guys. Uh, and Kill Harry sort of fits the mold, the prototype of guys who tend to have first-year success just in terms of his age, his draft position, his production profile, uh, his physical profile. So there's a lot to like about him. I'm going under, uh, as I guess I'm still doing, still out here with these unders. But I just think, uh, you know, it worries me that that's been kind of the the Patriots Achilles heel. It it also worries me that, you know, some separation issues. And I think the Patriots, if they want to, um, they can use another pick that they have, uh, Damian Harris. And, you know, James White last year, he actually averaged almost six carries per game. He usually is around two and a half. So they could kind of treat him more like a receiver, um, and, and kind of use those running backs and, and feature them heavily. So I got Harry around 10% of the target share right now, uh, getting 35 catches for 482 yards. Yeah, and you mentioned their Achilles heel, so uh, I'll segue into Demarius Thomas as well. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's, he's, there's a chance he might not make the team or start the year on the uh, PUP list, but um, he's another threat that could um, you know impact this projection. So it's, it's pretty bold projection where – yeah, if Thomas or Josh Gordon don't play all this year, I think he goes over pretty easily. But just just the threat of those guys uh, potentially joining the mix. And even we might be overlooking Philip Dorsett a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he could surprise us in that being the, the second leading receiver. So, But, you know, the, the path is set for Harry to, you know, be the leading receiver behind Edelman. So it's just a tricky uh, prop. And I think that he could find most of his fantasy value in the red zone. Um, so he might not be a yardage monster. I think he could be more like a Michael Williams last year and just kind of, you know, surprise us with his touchdown total. But um, I'm not expecting, you know, a thousand yard season from him. So I think 580 is a pretty fair line for now. I'll take your odds on, I don't know what you'd set it at, a Demarius Thomas making the team, but I bet he doesn't. Yeah, I would say it's less than 50, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it, it, there's a percent chance. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it'd be like, what, 20, 25%. Um, so that that would just have a little impact on this this line. Yeah, games played for the Patriots, 0.5. <laughs> that's that's right, the line right. I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Dontrell Inman, baby. He, yeah. he did it for luck. He yeah. probably end up doing it for Brady. There's a lot of guys. Marty <laughs> Harris, all of them, guys. All right, so moving on to the dumpster fire that is the Dolphins. Um, Josh Rosen, game starter. This is I, I love this prop. Um, and right now I have the line set at 8.5. I will take the under. Uh, I'm going – I think I have seven games as the projection right now. But this is so fluid, and it's, I think, really hard to get a read on this situation. I have it actually at exactly 8.5 in my model. Uh, I'll take the over just because I think at the end of the day, you're going to want to look at this guy. Um, I think we know what Fitzpatrick is, and we've seen Fitzpatrick kind of have these magical Fitzmagic seasons and follow them up with complete duds. And the Dolphins just strike me as a team that, you know, you're going from Evans and DJX and Godwin and Howard to, yeah, nobody. So um, I, I think Rosen gets a long look. Do you guys think that Fitzpatrick starts week one or what are yes. your thoughts on the week one? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And the thing is like uh, Jim Caldwell, this is, I think an underrated part of what's happening with the dolphins. Caldwell is the quarterbacks coach and the assistant head coach. And he's had success with quarterbacks. 
and I think Fitzpatrick as a guy who's like very competent when he's had good coaches around him will win the week one job and I think because of the Caldwell influence he will do well enough early on to keep the job long enough for Rosen to hit the under. I actually think it might be the other way. I think they want to get a look at Rosen. They're not too interested, I don't think, in winning this year. I'm just not sure Rosen is that good. And I think at some point uh, he might end up just getting straight up benched and it will kind of be one of those Winston Fitzpatrick situations from last year. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I could. Uh, I mean, it's impossible to predict exactly what's going to happen, but I could see them starting Fitzpatrick, let Rosen learn the offense a bit, and say after four or five games, if they're below 500, throw Rosen out there because you need to see what you have and Rosen this year I think he for sure plays um and then you know if he sucks just let him keep <laughs> losing games for you and get the first pick next year and take your future uh your quarterback of the future so I, I just think it makes sense for the Dolphins to sort of want this to be over so uh you know I would lean over here but I think it's gonna be close okay so uh moving on to the Bills Josh Allen total rushing yards this year I have the over under set at 635 and a half I'm under, but just barely. So I, I think that's that's pretty good. Oh, wow. I'm over. I'm at 662. Ooh, we got um, it over. Yeah, man. I think, uh, you know, you could, you could kind of put all these new receivers around him. I, don't, I still don't think he's a guy that wants to check down. And if anything, I think they may drop back a little bit more. They have a whole bunch of running backs. None of them may be very good. So, uh, yeah, I think Josh Allen's going to run around. He didn't play many ga- as many games uh, last season. Uh, but I think he's going to keep running because that's what he does. He makes off-script plays, run and throw deep. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, I think the real question is how efficient is he going to be with his scrambles because he was uber efficient last year. So even if you regress that that comes down and and you have Mm -hmm. to uh, assume that he will not be as efficient, he could still be a pretty efficient runner uh, and hit the over. Uh, and, And Rayvon, as you mentioned, he's just a scrambler. That's what he does. Yeah, and I, you know, they brought in Cole Beasley to base. I feel like to tell him, look, <laughs> just throw it underneath to him. But I think I agree. I think he's a runner at heart, and I don't think if if you know he's going to dump it off to Beasley, he'd rather just run with it. And like you said, his efficiency will go down. You know, he had 631 yards last year, but that was only in 12 games. Mm-hmm. So I think his his efficiency will go down. But I mean, if you watch him play, he is definitely a natural runner. So it wasn't necessarily a fluke, but I, you know, I guess he's going to regress down from a 7.1 yards per attempt, but not by much. I love him this year in fantasy just because of that, that rushing upside. And rushing yards per game for quarterbacks is, is actually a pretty stable stat. So, you know, yards per carry is obviously extremely hard to predict, but a lot of times I just like to look at those yards per game. And, and that's why I have some confidence in Allen uh, continuing to put up uh, pretty good numbers. Yeah, I mean, he has an outside chance of having a 1,000 rushing yards this year. Like, that could absolutely happen with him, just based on the offense and his style of play. Might be the Bills' best running back. Yeah, he probably is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, wrapping up the AFC East, let's head over to the Jets. Um, we've got Le'Veon Bell, total rushing and receiving yards. Um, I'm going to set the over-under at 1,500 and a half. Ooh, that's good. I am just over. I think that, you know, yeah, Adam Gase didn't want to pay Bell money, but at the end of the day, that's, that's sharp. We all know that you're not supposed to pay back a lot of money, but he's there. Fresh legs, year off. I think it does him well, and uh, I think that they'll rely on him heavily because he's the best player in their offense by far. They don't need to be a, a pass-heavy team, and they probably want to hide that defense, which I'm, I still have doubts about. 
Yeah, I'm with Rayvon on this. I'm to the over. I'm I'm closer to 1,600 yards than to 1,500. And I'm maybe being a little bit aggressive there, but I think that they're, at least for one year, going to give him something close to the, the Steelers' version of the Le'Veon Bell treatment. And so even if he's not getting as many carries, I, I still think we're going to see him used pretty heavily as a receiver. Yeah, I'm at 247 for uh... – 1081 on the ground and then another 55 catches for, for just under 500. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm very close to that on the rushes. I'm at 242, but I have 67 receptions, which is probably aggressive, but I mean, he's just been used so much in the passing game. That really is where he distinguishes himself. So I, I think they will continue to use him there. All right. And then next for the jets, I have uh, Robbie Anderson, total receiving yards over under 785 and a half. I have more than that. I'll take the over, but it is incredibly close. I, I have 792. So it's, I mean, it's right there. Okay, yeah, then I'm under. I'm at 753 on 53 catches, uh, just over five touchdowns. I think the one concern with Anderson is there, this is a new regime. We just don't know exactly how these targets are going to shake out, which is why I'm a little bit conservative, even with Bell's receiving. You still have a noon with there. You still have uh, Jamison Crowder was brought in, and he's a guy that can also catch a lot of passes underneath so uh, I think Anderson things will be opened up a little bit for him but he could be kind of the he's get the lowest percentage targets because um, he's going to run a lot of fly routes and that, that creates a little bit of volatility so uh, I guess I, I like him a little more in best ball he might be might be tough to predict because he usually has these big four game stretches uh, like during the yeah. end of each season after everyone gets hurt and then kind of <laughs> inflates his numbers uh, just a little bit. So even his splits just with uh, Anunwa on the field um, are, are, are a lot lower. So I'm being a little bit conservative with Robbie. Yeah, we, we always talk about how he's sort of benefited from being just, you know, by far the best talent and then, you know, being surrounded by Sharon Peak and guys like that at the end of the year. So yeah, with Anunwa back healthy, uh, they brought in Crowder and even Le'Veon Bell. He's going to have more competition. I think for the over to hit, he's going to have to have Sam Darnold make a, a year two leap, which I could see happening, obviously. So um, I think just the passing game in general will have to grow for him to, you know, match some of these numbers we've seen in the past. But I, I still think he's the number one guy, of course. But like you said, he'll just be his typical inconsistent self and have, you know, massive games over uh, short periods. But um, yeah, I think his, his per game target share should definitely go down this year you have him around 19 percent. it's still number one but it's like a pretty low for a, a, top, a top option totally yeah I have that around 22 percent which might be a little bit aggressive but uh, I think he's in the best quarterback situation of his career um, so I, I do think he's also the best uh, wide receiver on that team so I, I do think he will take a step forward one of the things I really like about him is that for his height he has such great deep speed uh, he just looks so smooth running downfield. Speaking of smooth, let's talk about razors. Uh, did you know that the average guy spends 3,000 hours of his lifetime shaving? I've grown a beard basically because of shaving laziness. Uh, but even with the beard, I still have to shave around the beard to shape it so that I look a smidgen respectable. I hate shaving. There's nothing worse than having to shave with shoddy razors. Fortunately, there's Harry's a razor that is so sharp you can shave less often and save money. It's just $2 per blade. Harry's founders were just two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. So Harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price, and there's a 100% quality guarantee. Join the 10 million people who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offering by going to harrys.com action. 
You get a trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor, shaving gel, and a travel blade cover. Again, get your trial set at harrys.com slash action. Sean, what else do you have for us? All right, so next up, we're going to the AFC North, and we're going to start with the Ravens. So Lamar Jackson, total rushing yards this year. I have the over-under set at 840 and a half. Ooh, that's good. I have him at 822. So still going under by 18 yards, but right there for him. Uh, I, have, I have most quarterbacks I haven't projected, you know, to play more than 15 games in that 15 and a half range. So, uh, you know, if I add like another, I have him at 15.5, if I add, you know, a, a, you know, 15, 75 or 16, he probably goes over. But I'm just under, again, I think, uh, I think quarterback rushing yards, uh, TJ Hernandez actually uh, does articles on the most predictable stats every year. And uh, if you look at quarterbacks, uh, rushing yards is right there at the top of the uh, list, about a 0.8 correlation year over year. So I'm uh, pretty confident that Jackson's going to keep it going in. We don't know if he's really going to be able to throw that well. I don't know how much improvement he's going to be able to make in that area. I think I regressed him too far in two ways when I created his projections. One, in terms of his efficiency, and then also in terms of the total number of attempts he would have. But uh, yeah, so right now I have projections for the under, but my heart wants to take the over. So like, I'm, I'm going to take the under, I'm going to stick with my numbers, but this is a projection I, I feel I need to come back to. But it's just like Lamar Jackson was such an outlier case last year. I think it's it's hard to know, especially outlier just in terms of what we saw, but then outlier also in terms of him coming in in the middle of the season and the team changing their offense. I think it's just hard to know what they're going to do this year. Like I expect them to be still a run heavy team, but they could be run heavy and Lamar could still run 60%, you know, less than he did last year. Uh, so Freeman, do you have them like low 700s or even the 600s? Uh, high 600s. I mean, I don't think he can average 17 attempts a game. So have him closer to 12. Do you think he could stay healthy if he were to run 17 times a game? No, uh, I don't think he could. I mean, I was watching some film and, you know, the way his running style, he does know how to avoid some of those big hits. But yeah, I, I just, it's impossible for him to maintain 17 yards a game. So I'm regressing him a bit. But, you know, he's like Josh Allen. It wouldn't surprise me if he rushes for over a thousand yards, but I think it's yeah. going to be more of a self-preservation sort of thing where they limit him. Yeah, yeah I have him at right about, about 11, 11 or so carries per game, averaging uh, 4.6 uh, per carry. It's, it's also worth pointing out, you know, Gus Edwards is the number one back last year, so having Ingram there will help. If Justice Hill is as good as we think his rookie year, that's going to help too. So, you know, more reasons why they don't have to run him 17 times a game. Yeah, that's my sense. I'm, I'm projecting for nine, which is like I'm really bringing him back closer to the group, which nine is probably too conservative. Like I probably should be closer to 11 or 12. But as you mentioned, the additions of Mark Ingram, the additions of Justice Hill – uh, him progressing into his second season and I think them wanting him to be a little bit more of a passer my thought is that he ran so often last year when he was starting in part because he was just thrown in in the middle of the season and that they really will try to create a scheme where uh, they they use him as a runner a little more judiciously and strategically yeah, and yeah. also they face that really easy uh, schedule of defenses which 
probably a little bit easier to run against. They went six and one in his starts during the regular season. And then he had his season high 29 pass attempts because they got behind against the Chargers. So just something like that could um, drive up his pass attempts as well. But he was extremely consistent, which which is the, the only reason I kind of I'm not going to go fully out and like regress him crazily because after that first start, it was 25, 21, 24, 23, 22, 24, 29 pass attempts. So it's clear that they're kind of trying to keep him in that, that 25-ish range. Yeah, I mean, their defense should regress a bit this year. So, yeah, they, they probably won't be playing with as many leads. So, mm-hmm. that, you know, he's going to probably have to throw more out of necessity. Um, so speaking of Mark Ingram, let's, let's talk about how many touches he's going to get. Um, so I have his overrunner set at 245 and a half. And I'm thinking we'll get a Raybon over here. I am right around 249.5. So pretty close. I'll, I'll take the over, but that's, you know, like pretty tentative. I am going, yeah, I'm going over. I have them at 273. Uh, I just think that the, it's going to be close probably, but I, I think that the Ravens intend to kind of continue this run heavy attack um, in general, uh, their defense, yeah, it may take a step back, but um, that's all the more reason for them to kind of, uh, you know, slow the game down, run the ball, protect their defense, protect their quarterback. Uh, I think Ingram's going to get a lot of work, and I think Gus Edwards may, may see a, a decent share too, and Hill will probably be a factor um, as a dual threat in, in the run in the pass game. How many of those touches are receptions for you guys? I have, uh, let me see. Uh, just a little over 21 receptions. I have, yeah, that's, I have them at 22. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, like how, how heavily they utilize him in the passing game. Cause Gus Edwards, I mean, he's not a terrible pass catching back, but he was just non-existent in that role last year. So yeah, I think a lot of these touches are going to be, um, you know, of the rushing variety. All right. So next up uh, the Steelers, James Connor, uh, total rushing and receiving yards. I have the over-under set at 1,430. I am under that. I have him closer to the – closer to about 1,300 uh, rushing and receiving on about 200 – just over 260 touches. Do you have Samuels taking a large share of his uh, receiving? No, I have uh, – I have well, I have Samuels at about 7.5%. I think Samuels will kind of be uh, used as a – a little bit of a wild card kind of he can still play that that tight end kind of h-backish role so i think they'll get him the ball but uh i have connor around uh, 11 just over 11 percent of the target share and then i have him at just under 15 carries a game so i, I think i still think pittsburgh will be relatively pass heavy maybe not quite as much so as with with a b but um trying to be a little bit conservative with connor and he still comes out as my number uh eight back in ppr yeah that's fair I will take the over. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on Connor this year uh, in part because of, well, obviously just what we saw last year, but then also how they have used, they being the Steelers have uh, used uh, backs previously and, and a portion the workload with Le'Veon Bell getting a really high percentage of the usage. We saw it last year with Connor. We've seen it in spurts with uh, even D'Angelo Williams. I think he's going to continue to be the lead back, even though there has been some talk at this time of the year, but we always get talk at this time of the year about this guy or that guy, but there's been talk about them wanting to split the backfield work a little bit more. I think uh, when the season starts, it's still going to be Connor as the main guy who's out there. 
All right, moving on to the Browns. Baker Mayfield, total passing yards this year. I have it set at over under 4,350. I will take the over. Probably not a surprise. I'm pretty <laughs> optimistic on Mayfield this year. <laughs> I'm under by 11 yards. I have him at 4339. Uh, I don't feel good about taking the under, though, because I, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bullish on him. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, how much you want to regress his, his yards per attempt, how much you want to wait that the second half of the season when he averaged uh, 8.57 over, the, uh, over the, those last eight weeks, and that was behind only Patrick Mahomes, and that was without Odell Beckham. So, uh, you know, after some regression, uh, he's still, I believe, my number top three in yards per attempt. But he's at – I have him at about 7.9. So that's just – it's more of a matter of regression uh, for me than anything. But I, I think he could have a monster season. I think he could have probably the closest to Mahomes uh, of last year, probably the best candidate for, for a season like that this year. Yeah, with, with him it's interesting because, you know, the defense, if they stay healthy, can be really good. And, you know, they're going to be – potentially be a double-digit winning team. So I'm just worried about them almost being too good and, you know, be, becoming more of a balanced team and, you know – feeding Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt when he gets back. So with him, it's more just about a highly efficient passing attack that probably doesn't have to throw as much as we think. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to not set the line over, like, 4,500 yards. But um, I feel like 4,300 is probably closer to the mean. So it's, it's a tough line to set. So you're on the under, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, barely. All right, I didn't want to take <laughs> – action on the over there yeah I, and I'm with Rayvon on the efficiency uh Rayvon has him at 7.9 yards per attempt I have him right at eight um so we're we're in the same neighborhood I think he's going to be very efficient and one of the the I think underrated th or just a factor that I think is harder to take into account is that uh when they made this scheme change uh with the coaching change last year the Browns gave up only five sacks in the second half of the season and so, like, that obviously is not projectable moving forward. It's not as if they're going to allow only 10 sacks this year. But, you know, there was something pretty drastic that they did to change the scheme. Uh, and so I'm wondering if uh, they will continue to be as efficient on a per-dropback basis um, because I think that could be a, an extra source, sort of like a hidden source of more pass attempts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting the way you phrase it as, like, they gave up only five sacks because I would kind of put it as Baker Mayfield only took five sacks. I mean, right. I think that's a sign of – he did a lot of impressive things, which is why I think he could have uh, – he has the upside of, of that Mahomes, you know, 50, touch, 50 touchdown kind of year, 5,000 yards, uh, you know, over nine yards of target to guys like Higgins and Brashad Perriman and, and, and Ratley and all these guys and – just, I think he learned to spread the ball around. He, he targeted Jarvis Landry, who was getting about 30% of the targets uh, over that first half, only about 20% of the time. So he kind of was able to move off uh, the guys that the defense was paying the most attention to, spread the ball around, get it out, don't take sacks. Um, just overall really impressive and some really good signs uh, heading into year two for Baker. Yeah, he, he certainly has better weapons than Mahomes going into this year, depending on what happens with Tyree Kill. So... Um, all right, so closing out the AFC North, uh, let's go to the Bengals. Uh, Joe Mixon, total rushing and receiving yards, over under 1,500. I am just over. I am at 1,501.6. I'm at 14.03, uh, so I'm under by about 100. Uh, I'm guessing, I don't know, uh, Friedman, how many games played? I have him at 14. I'm guessing you probably have him like 14.5. Yeah, 14 and a half. 
Yeah, so that's probably really the, the difference um, when, it, when it comes down to it. But uh, I think this is going to be uh, another high-volume year for him when he's on the football field. Uh, he missed a couple of games last year. Same, I haven't projected for the same, but I don't think Bernard or, or any of those other guys would be too much uh, of a factor. All right, so uh, heading to the south, let's start off with the Texans. Will Fuller, total receiving yards over under 740 and a half. I am over. Um, I think that he could conceivably do that by like week 10. I mean, I have him at 825, but I mean, he, his upside just in terms of the air yards um, and, and how efficient he was with, with Deshaun Watson when he's been on the field these last couple of years, uh, I'm, I'm going over even though he's a bit injury prone. Yeah, that's it. That's assuming he plays all 10 games. But yeah, I agree. Right, right. This is all if he's healthy, he will crush this. But that's that's really the question with him. Yeah, I'm I'm with Raybon on the over. I have him projected for 807 right now. The yeah, as Raybon mentioned, the issue is the health. I have him projected for 13 and a half games. But there, there are two questions tied to the health. One, does he even start in week one? I know there's some optimism that he will be available, but he tore his ACL in the second half of the season. Uh, so we can't assume that he's going to be healthy for week one. And then even if he returns, we can't assume that he's going to be his playmaking self. Um, it takes guys a little bit of time to return from that injury. So uh, I'm, I'm projecting to the over, but I can easily see how the under hits here. Yeah. And uh, you know, how, how are you factoring Kiki QT and all this? Cause he's, he's a bit injury prone too. So I think they kind of have a, situation where you know one guy's going to be healthy one guy's going to be out so they're going to be I think they're both going to be extremely efficient whenever they're on the field yeah I mean Deshaun Watson he can get the ball to these guys I don't think that's a problem and Houston is just known for kind of highly concentrated target shares they let go of their leading pass catching tight end from a year ago Ryan Griffin got into some trouble in the offseason Jordan Thomas Aikens those guys are more blocking types they drafted Cahill Waring but you don't expect him to make really any noise in, in, uh, in year one. And even Lamar Miller, he usually stays in a pass box. I only have him about seven and a half percent of the target here. So like Hopkins could get 30%, Fuller 20 and, and Kite 20. And, um, and, and, and that's like a realistic projection uh, for this team. All right, heading over to the Colts. Uh, let's go with Andrew Luck passing touchdowns. Um, I have the over under set at 33 and a half. I have him under, I have him at 30. Uh, in 576 attempts with just under 4,300 yards. All right. So this is interesting. Uh, you're, Sean, you're perfectly splitting this. I have him at 36, and I have him in much more of a pass-heavy scheme. I have him projected for 600 attempts. Um, so I think that's, that's probably the difference there. Yeah, and, you know, he had 38 last year. Obviously, he'll regress a bit, but his, his weapons are going to be much better this year. If, if we recall, you know, it was T, a bang that T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron. That was pretty much it. So, you know, adding Funches to the mix, even Paris Campbell and getting Jack Doyle healthy back, it's really hard to, to set it lower than that. So, if, Rayvon, if you want to double down on your um, under or give me, if you want to give me 31 and a half, I'll, you know, I'll make another side bet with you too. Cause yeah, I, I think that he can crush this, this projection. I mean, no, I don't think I want to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's just, uh, I, that's just the way, um, you know, touchdowns are a little bit, uh, you know, harder to predict from one year to the next, uh, you know, things as simple as, uh, you know, more rushing touchdowns for the team. You know, I mean, luck was amazing in the red zone a year ago. So he's still um, one of only three quarterbacks 
that I have projected for at least 30. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to go th- I think 33 and a half is a little high just because you never know. You could miss a game yeah. uh, with injury. They may, I mean, they could be really good and not have to play in, um, in week 17, which is always a, a you know, can, can kind of hurt some of these props as well. So I have them going under by a couple of scores. Yeah, good. Great point on the week 17. That's something uh, I actually don't factor in, but that's, that's smart. I think that's a yeah. sneaky thing to kind of blend in if you can. That's why I almost never project, like, even a qu- even quarterbacks, like, I always, like, knock off maybe, you know, a, a quarter of a game or something, never project yeah. them for a, a flat 16 because you yeah. – really any player um, because there's, there's just a, a non-zero chance that, for whatever reason, um, they could rest. Yeah, Raymond, I'm, I'm with you there. And, and the number of games played is where I try to factor in week 17. So I have luck projected for 15 and a half games. Same. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, Eric Ebron – Total receiving touchdowns over under six and a half. And I don't think I could set any other line. I think that's, that's a good line. I'm going to be the donkey here and take the over, but I don't feel good about it. I, I, I've regressed the number down and I'm still getting the over, but I'll, I'll take it here. Are you still under seven? Are you like high sixes? Uh, I don't want to say it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm, I'm at eight. And a half. Nine. Oh, that's, I'm at eight. Uh, so I have him, uh, I have him in the, in the mid fives and that part of that is just because there's a lot of, of players on, on that team at Sean, as you mentioned, that could compete, are competing now for target share. And I think one of the more important ones is Devin Funches because, uh, when you look at him, he's a guy that, you know, kind of lost his way a little bit in Carolina, but he's another guy that could, he could be the Eric Ebron of this year and get random 12 touchdowns or something. Uh, you kind of remember Dante Moncrief a couple years ago. Didn't really put up much yardage, but uh, anytime they got in the red zone, it was just Moncrief all day. So uh, I'm just a little bit concerned. I think touchdowns are something, again, you have to regress them. I mean, we've seen James Jones go from like 13 to 3 and, and whatnot. So I do think your line of, of, of six and a half is probably the right line, especially if you're trying to still attract um, some action on the over. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I have it in the high fives and um, also, we heard a little bit about you know him struggling with with some injuries. He's a a bigger guy where I could see that kind of affecting him a bit. So, um, just kind of the combination of all of those things and all the mouths to feed. Uh, I'm going conservative. Yeah, and just to defend you a little bit, Freeman. I mean, if you're if you're projecting you know 36, 37, then yeah. it's absolutely reasonable to kind of project Ebron for eight because it's you know that's about a, a good percentage of the pie. So, I, I yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that is really where it happened because kind of on its own in a vacuum, I had Ebron around seven and a half, a little under seven and a half, but then factoring in the, uh, I mean, exorbitant number of touchdowns I'm expecting Andrew Luck to get, there was an excess that kind of had to be distributed elsewhere to guys. And I mean, Ebron gets a a pretty big chunk of it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go to the Titans first. We're going to do Derrick Henry, total rushing yards over under 1,185. I have him over. I have him at 1,221. Uh, I think he could end up leading the league in rushing. I don't think he'll get like, he'll be in that like 30 carry range the way he was to close out last season. But I do think that the Titans will continue uh, to ride him when they can. I will take the under, but relatively close. One, I'm at 1,110. I think Deion Lewis will still continue to see more carries than he probably deserves to see. Um, and I, I think that will be the difference. How many missed games do you guys have for him? Are you giving him the standard two or one and a half here? 
I have him at 15 games. I have him at 14. Uh, I just have him with a bullet <laughs> carries. Uh, I have him getting about three three quarters of the team's carries, and I still have them run heavy. So um, I, I, for quarterbacks, um, I find that uh, attempts are, are, are somewhat of a, a sticky stat. And Marcus Mariota has just – and part of this is because, um, you know, he gets injured. But, uh, you know, generally – one of the lower lowest uh, pass attempt figures in the league over the last couple of years. Um, and, and that kind of, when you're projecting the Titans to still be a pretty run heavy team, that's probably where my, uh, like the, the, the carries for Henry are coming in. Yeah. I mean, I only ask because, you know, I'm the same way where I, I typically just project guys down if they're, you know, an injury risk, like Fuller, like we mentioned, but Henry seems like the, the guy where it's, it's like, I'm going to give him an extra game because he's, he just never gets hurt. I mean, even if you go back and look at his days at Alabama, I mean, he never missed a game despite getting, you know, 25 carries a game. So, and just by looking at him, I mean, he seems to embody the kind of running back that can take a beating and be healthy for 16 games. That's where I am. I'm, I'm with you there. One weird thing just to mention is like, we know nothing about their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. Like he was the Titans coach. Like he's, he's been with the Titans under like four different head coaches, it's just it's hard to know exactly what type of scheme he's going to run. I, I mean, I'm imagining it's going to be pretty similar to what we've seen in the past. But still, it's just kind of this, this weird scenario where it's a guy where there's nothing on him. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping they, they scheme it closer to the end of last year where Henry was, you know, the bell cow back and not, not trying to, um, you know, make Lewis a thing. So um, I'm hoping it's closer to the end of last year because I definitely want to load up on all the Derrick Henry this year. Okay, so closing out the AFC South, uh, we have the Jaguars. Uh, Leonard Fournette's total rushing yards. I have it over under 9-10. Whew. I will take the over, but I am at 9-18. I'm at 9-23. So we're all, uh, oh, we're <laughs> all pretty much uh, there. And it's funny because I actually have Fournette like just around four yards a carry, too. So it's not even like I'm projecting him to be uh, – super efficient but uh, I think there's just a huge potential for again like missed games for running backs not still not as predictive as you think that the, the most accurate outcome is going to be he's probably going to miss two games by median um, by average a little about two 2.7 but um, I think you know when he was in there he got a 30 touch game he had another about three three other 20 touch games they're still I mean when you're talking about Chris Conley as, as a buzzworthy receiver in the offseason, you have nothing. So, yeah, I think Fournette might be a bell cow. And uh, he, he, I think he should go in fantasy drafts. Like, he kind of goes after all of those, like, wide receivers in that, in that tier with uh, Diggs and all those guys. Like, I think Fournette deserves to go on the other side of that tier, like in the Dalvin Cook range, um, you know, kind of end of the mid to end of the second round rather than the, uh, the third where he's going now. Yeah, I, I'd rather not have you guys both on the over. Um, I was expecting to um, sort of vouch for Fournette. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy where, you know, yards per carry is something that typically regresses to the mean, and he's been mm-hmm. uh, pretty poor in that career, 3.7. That's, you know, basically he's seen a ton of eight-man boxes. But we saw with Melvin Gordon last year, you know, we, we bash on him a bit for being a low yards per carry guy, and then he just broke out last year. So I think if Fournette is healthy, he crushes this. And also uh, our own Ian Harditz wrote a fantastic piece on Fournette that kind of rattles off 10 different factors that I think, um, you know, I I like Fournette going to this year. So definitely check that out on Fancy Labs. Yeah, there's a a lot to like about him. It it could go sideways. 
um, but a lot to like about him. On the show, we try to keep things light, but sometimes life comes at you fast and it gets you down. You know, just ask anyone who drafted Fournette last year. Um, but when you need someone to talk to, someone to support you, Talkspace is there for you. It's therapy for how we live today. It's mobile. It's available when you need it. It's convenient and easy to use. You no longer have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. With Talkspace, you can send unlimited messages to your dedicated therapist from the privacy of your device from anywhere at any time of day. If you're having a tough time, you can always schedule a live video session with your therapist for extra support. And it's affordable. One month of therapy on the Talkspace platform costs about the same amount as a single face-to-face session. Best of all, you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind. Join more than 1 million people who feel happier with Talkspace. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, Go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code TALK, that is T-A-L-K, to get your first week free and show your support for the show. That is Talk and Talkspace.com. All right, Sean, let's uh, close it out with this final division. Yeah, so we're going to close out the AFC West, and we're going to start with the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes threw 50 passing touchdowns last year. I think it's safe to say he's going to regress, uh, but the question is how much. So I think this is an important prop for us to, to figure out um, right now, I have his passing touchdown set at 36 and a half. This is, sounds crazy, but I'm going under. I have him at 34. I'm going under as well. I have him just under uh, 36 and a half, 36.2. 36.2. If they announced tomorrow that Tyreek Hill is suspended four games and expected to play the rest of the season, where would you guys, like, how would you bump it up? I, I'm just curious how many games you have Tyreek Hill factored in, because that's, that's also a question mark. Um, yeah, I had him for a long time. I had him factored in for six games, and I recently bumped that up to eight games. But it doesn't really change the touchdown number all that much for me, uh, for Mahomes, because it's still a, like a, a top-down type of number. Yeah, yeah I have him – I still have him projected if he's going to miss the season. Um, until we get news that he's not, I'm, I'm treating him like that. I see people starting to, to, to get a little confident when we don't hear anything, but uh, I, I'm just not uh, – going there yet so but if I do he would Mahomes would get a bump uh not only in, in the touchdown department but in, in the yardage department as well yeah that's fair um okay the next the next prop I think is one of the most critical ones of the AFC in my opinion it's Damian Williams total rushing and receiving yards um I have the over under set at 1050 over I have him about 1250. I think he maintains that role. And I think anytime Hill misses, and, you know, this obviously would go down a little bit if Hill is, is in there, but uh, I think Williams is going to be a major part uh, of this offense. I, I don't even know if Carlos Hyde makes the team. I'm taking the over as well, um, but I'm a little – I'm not quite as bullish as Raybon. I have him at 1125, but I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic on him because I felt I was pretty rigorous in trying to – uh, rein in my optimism about him. Um, so I didn't project for as much of a, a market share in, in rushing uh, attempts as I think he probably will get. And I also tried to, I don't know, in terms of efficiency, kind of pull him back a little bit. But even with that, I still have him going over 1,100 yards. So uh, yeah, I'll take the over. What do you have his uh, rushing attempt market share at? On a per game basis, I have it at 0.54 but I think it could be higher than that, just based on what we saw out of uh, Kareem Hunt, out of Spencer Ware, 
out of Jamal Charles um, and, and also just based on what he did last year on a, a per game basis when he was yeah. the lead back that number was around 0.64 last year when he was the lead back um, so I'm really bringing him down in comparison to the other guys that we've seen if he maintains that role he had in the final four weeks I mean he's a slam dunk RB1 yeah, I think, uh, you know, I have, him, I have him actually a little lower than you, Freeman. I have him about even 50, and the only reason is uh, his carries in those games started were 10, 13, 11, and then he had one twenty-five uh carry game in the first uh, playoff game against the Colts, and then he was at 10. Um, but he, he had six, seven, six, eight targets in four of his five uh, starts. So I think whatever he doesn't do on the ground, I think he'll make up through the air, especially if Tyreek Hill isn't in the lineup. I think you know, Williams has a chance to be right there with, with Watkins and Kelsey as a, as, as, as a, the, a top target for that team. Yeah, I agree. All right. So heading over to the chargers, uh, Mike Williams, total receiving yards. Um, I have it at over under eight fifteen. I have him under, I have him at seven, 57 um I, I still have him he's my number 30 ppr receiver but yeah the chargers are another team they they have three good three three pretty good running backs uh philip rivers pass attempts have been down uh, a little bit so that that's and, and williams did struggle with, with some injury earlier but i think he has a chance to, to really crush i think the year two breakouts are usually what i'm looking for so now he's he's in year three so i'm not projecting quite as much of a, a step forward even though uh tyrell has moved on Okay, I will take the over, but I have him at 848. So, yeah, so yeah. if I went 850, you would have been under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm projecting him on a per game basis for uh, about 20% of the target market share. He's, it's an interesting situation because like, I think he has, if you had to pick one of these guys on the team, Keenan Allen versus Mike Williams, like I think Mike Williams is the guy who would have a better chance of having, I don't know, like a 1400 yard, 14 touchdown season. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, there's so much kind of downside built into his style of play. And I don't expect him to be a high volume guy relative to, to Keenan Allen. Um, but I still think 850-ish around there is probably yeah. the number I would shoot for. Freeman, when you said 14 touchdown, 1400 yards, you you meant you think you really think Keenan Allen has less yardage upside than Mike Williams? No, like it's not. Yardage? No, it's not the yardage upside, but oh, it's the oh. touchdown upside. Okay, like okay. if one of these guys had a 1414 season, it has to be Mike Williams. Like there's no way it's Keenan Allen. I don't know about that. I mean, I think yardage comes with, I mean, touchdowns, excuse me, come with volume. I mean, we have this conversation every year where you're just, you're just down on Keenan, man. He is so nasty. I mean, like this guy could just walk, he just walks defensive backs like dogs. I think he could easily get 1400 yards. Um, and it just takes one outlier touchdown season. I mean, I think Williams, uh, it's, it's just a little tougher for him to get the yards on a consistent basis, but I could certainly see the, the 14 touchdowns for, for either of them. Yeah. So real quick, before we move on, just, um, tell me your guys' projected touchdown receptions for Williams. I have him at 7.0. I have him at 7.7. I have him at 6.4. Okay. All right. So we average out around seven. All right. Next up, the Broncos. Philip Lindsay, total rushing yards. I have it set at 9.50. I'm taking the over. I have it around 10.40. I'm taking the under. Uh, I have it currently... I'm way under. I have it at just under 800. Um, that is perhaps because um, he's, he's one of those guys that uh, not fully healthy right now. Also, just kind of the way he 
um, burst on the scene. I think, uh, uh, and, and there's like a, a new coaching regime. So all of these things um, caused me to be a little bit more conservative with running back projections. I still have him at uh, about 55% of the running back carries. Um, and uh, and he, he, it's just that the missed game, I think, is knocking him down a little bit. I have him at 13 games. 13 games. Yeah. Oh, that's, I think that's pretty aggressive. So, like, there's certain guys that I knock down a little more. Yeah. Uh, and he just happens to be one of them. And, I mean, I also, I also do think that, that Royce Friedman um, – excuse me, Royce Friedman. Royce Freeman um, could, could get a little bit more of the carry share this season. And I just think, again, with the new coaching regime, because Lindsey kind of jumped on the scene and he was, like, this guy that came out of nowhere and, 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 that, and the last coaching staff really seemed to love him, you know, now it's kind of starting the offseason hurt. Uh, you still have this highly drafted back um, waiting in the wings. There's just a lot of, uh, I, th- I think, question marks – um, as far as, uh, you know, him getting on the field in addition to his health. Yeah. So I think the split uh, is much more even between Lindsey and Freeman this year. Um, but I still think Lindsey is so efficient and he was so explosive in college too. He has the speed. Um, I think he's much more of a, I don't want to say Jamal Charles type of player, but like uh, even though he's small, he didn't miss time in college. Like, I think he, he maybe has the type of style to be able to withstand despite his size. Um, so I, I don't know, but he, I mean, you're right to, for, you're right to be cautious about him because he is small, small lead backs tend not to last that long. Yeah. So that, I wanted to follow up with that was Rayvon, you're docking extra game because of his frame or because of his, the wrist injuries coming back. Um, a little bit of both, more more so the uh, the injury. Like it, it might bump up to like thirteen five as, as we know he's healthy. Uh, I think we talked about this last pod, but for guys who are kind of starting the off season hurt, I tend to to, to knock off uh, what usually amounts to about an extra game because um, that's just how it tends to work out. If you look at the the numbers of you know guys who you know get injured once, they tend to it, it, they tend to get injured again. Um, this is not a soft necessarily a soft tissue injury, so that's a, a little bit. Um, not as quite as concerning, but until he's fully healthy, uh, I think you have to be a little bit conservative. Yeah, that that's a great point. And with in terms of his yards per carry, I mean, obviously he's going to regress this year from five point four. Do you guys have handy what you guys have projected for him this year? Because I have it around four point five. Yeah, same. I have him four four uh, four five six. And uh, yards per carry is a really tricky stat, um, depending on how you look at it. If you kind of do it the straight up, you know, base rate way with uh, it, they take almost about 2000, excuse me, carries to stabilize um, that you can also for certain backs that have been on the same team, you know, there's certain people have found, you know, regressions that, uh, you know, you're still only about, about 15 to 20% of the variance, um, but you can get a little bit more predictive doing it that way. So yeah, I have it about right over four or five. Uh, I'm much closer to five, which is aggressive, but just because he was so explosive in college and because of his verified 40 time. uh, And then there were some uh, next gen stats. I don't remember what they were, but uh, also kind of indicated how explosive he was um, with the, uh, the ball in his hand. Um, He's someone I will probably just be aggressive on from an efficiency perspective. I'm actually curious what, who do you guys have leading the (laughs) week? In yards per carry at running back. And what, yeah, what's the number? Aaron Jones, 4.72. I am at, I have Philip Lindsay in the week in yards per carry yeah. at that 4.5. That's why I was curious. I was like, uh, I also have, I have Kareem Hunt really high because, you know, he's going to get less carries and probably in more desirable situations. I think he could be a guy in this eight game sample where he could 
lead in rushing yards per attempt. But I mean, it's such a volatile stat that mm-hmm. it's not something that <laughs> I think just because I have Aaron Jones as my top guy, I don't necessarily think he's going to lead in that category. It's just, just the way it kind of shaped out. Yeah, shooting from the hip, I would imagine that Philip Lindsay is probably my highest ranked guy in terms of efficiency. All right, so um, wrapping up, we'll, we'll go to the Raiders and uh, Josh Jacobs total touches this year. I have it set at over under 245. I have a question. Did you just adjust that number on the fly? I just adjusted it. I was looking at your guys' eyes. I think I know where you're going, so I, just, I won't tell you which way I adjusted it. You adjusted it up. I adjusted sure. it. Oh, are you looking at my projections? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm still going to take the over. <laughs> That's what I figured. Yeah, I'm at uh, 261. So, yeah, I'm taking the over as well. I think this is a guy who, if you looked at Marshawn Lynch and, and what he did when healthy uh, last year in those first six games, he had about 86 touches. He was getting about three uh, targets per game which I think is a, a fair uh, projection for, for Jacob. So Lynch was getting 15, uh, 17 and a half touches per game. I think that's a very fair projection for Jacobs, who I think they drafted to be a one-for-one one replacement. Maybe they would have given Isaiah Crowell something, but then he was lost for the season. They, they had to go re-sign Doug Martin, who, who I don't think will be much of a factor. I'm right there with Rayvon. Uh, number of touches for me is 263.6. It would have been a mess if Crowell is still there, but, you know, him being out for the season kind of, um, you know, helps the situation be a little more predictable. But, I mean, how do you guys envision Jalen Richard factoring in? Is he still going to be heavily used in passing downs, or do you think they want to keep Jacobs on the field more? Um, that's the only tricky thing with, with his projection for me. Yeah, I think Richard will still get usage, but, I mean, Jacobs is a three-down back, and so I think yeah. that's one of the real benefits that he adds. So I think Richard will be the guy that they'll rely on um, in, like, clear pass-catching situations um, where they don't get an edge of having Jacobs out there with the defense not knowing for sure that they have to pass. Yeah, I think there's – like, Richard – it's just a guy that they would like to use less. I think he's better in that role. If in the six games that Lynch played last season, Richard only averaged 1.8 rushing attempts. Then once Lynch got hurt over those final 10 games, uh, that doubled, more than doubled to 4.4. But his targets went down uh, from 6.2 with Lynch to 4.4 without. So they kind of they probably just want to phase him out a little bit more. And, and I think I wouldn't be surprised. Like Jacobs is kind of in that four net bucket for me where. I think these are guys that on any given week, they could get 30 touches. I'm going to be yeah. looking to play them uh, early on in the season in DFS when they're still healthy and, uh, and fresh, because I think these are guys that could just have monster games. And at the end of the year, if they stay healthy or play, you know, 15 games or so, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, them, those guys as top five uh, fantasy running back. Yeah. And I mean, outside of even what uh, would be the considerations for this team, I just like take a a macro perspective on Josh Jacobs as a 21 year old first rounder. Who's a, a big guy. Those guys tend to get usage right away. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on what he's going to do, even though he was never a high volume usage guy in college. I mean, Gruden, I don't think he has any like reservations about feeding a guy that he essentially trade, like, you know, got, went out and got in the first round of, of the draft. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you guys on that one. You kind of mentioned with Alabama not using him much. I just think it, you know, he has the frame to handle a big workload. If anything, he just has less tread on his tires. So, yeah, I, I think they'll use him heavily this year. 
I mean, and Rashard, just to go back to him, I mean, he averaged six targets in the first six weeks, even with Lynch there. A lot of that was because they really didn't have much going for them at receiver. Now they have Antonio Brown, who's going to command a large target share. So uh, I think, I don't think Rashard will be much of a factor. I think he's more of like that, that guy you can get in like the last round of a, of a PPR best ball draft or something and maybe get a couple of of good games out of him. But um, I I don't think he'll be a factor uh, or Martin. All right. That is the previews for all of our AFC player projections. Uh, Again, those will power our customizable fantasy football cheat sheet, which will be out on July 1st. Sean, actually, do you want to talk a little bit about that tool kind of preview it for, uh, for the people who are listening? Because I, I, you guys are doing a lot of work on it with the dev team and uh, it's going to be a pretty awesome tool for people to use. Yeah, so we have um, all three of our projection sets in the tool itself. So you can go in and set your league settings, customize it to, um, you know, the number of teams in your league with the scoring um, and roster configuration. And it'll update, you know, the overall rankings as well as auction values if you play an auction league. So check it out. And, you know, like I said, you'll have access to all three of our projection sets. So it's going to be really cool. All right, next episode, we will start our position-by-position breakdowns. Uh, We're going to be looking at quarterbacks. Uh, We have some wonderful guests coming up for the next two episodes to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, Be sure to check out those episodes. Till then, that is going to do it for this NFL episode of the Action Network podcast. Please rate and review the show in iTunes. For Sean and Chris, I am Matthew Freeman, Matt of the Oracle. See you again next episode.